It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. And what is up, Gamecock Nation? <laughs> Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark. Chris popping up at the last second. Uh, it's been that kind of day, that kind of week. Uh, you won't hear us complain, but there is a lot going on. Happy to be here with you guys and gals. Uh, this is presented by Clint Hammond of Mortgage Network, as always, our good buddy. Clint, you can find him at clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. Let me pull up this photo of Clint's smiling face. There he is right there getting ready to, in this moment, Clint has taken five seconds away from looking at uh, mortgage bonds rates and uh, talking to people on the phone about mortgages and Gamecock football to take a picture. And then he's right back to looking at the data. I feel like uh, NML, NMLS number, I don't know why I can never say that, uh, 71597, email address chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Again, appreciate our buddy Clint. Long time, consistent guy you can count on, sponsor for GC Live. Chris, what is up, man? <laughs> yeah, sorry about my uh it wasn't really a Chris Collinsworth slide in because it was very just kind of actually dropped something. But uh and, and then I had to pop back up there. But you're right, a lot going on. No, no wasted time today, Wes. Planning a lot. GamecockCentral.com preseason kickoff party presented by 1801 Venture Club. Right around the corner, nine days away. So we were all just, uh, you and I were huddled up with the team over at Steel Hands talking about that right before we hopped on here. Tons of content. Gamecock football players, several of them on the defensive side of the ball speaking today. We just wrapped up earlier, 11 to noon. We had the Gamecock Central Hour on 107.5 The Game presented by Firehouse Subs. And now we're trying to push out some content and get things done, man. So it has been a heck of a day. I will echo you. We are not complaining. Awesome stuff today. Yeah, you'll never hear me complain. Love my job. By the way, um, let's ask the people. Shout out to the chat room. Um, Craig, in there, as always. Let's ask the people. The Gamecock Central Hour or the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour? I like that. That's what we need to know. Need some feedback. Is Gamecock Central Takeover Hour too much? Is Gamecock Central Hour too simple? Um, again, it's 11 to noon on 107.5 every single day. We're excited about that. But, um, Chris, it uh, as we're going through our many shameless plugs here in the first five minutes of the show, I couldn't help but think when you popped up after dropping something on the screen, I couldn't help but think about your uh, special on the Shane Beamer coaching search and uh, Chance yep. Miller, who um, – is a, he's Associate Athletic Director. Is that his official title um, at South Carolina? I hope that's right. Chance has his hand in about everything at South Carolina. Huge dude behind the scenes, like phenomenal, works his tail off. Anyway, Chance Miller, highly involved in the South Carolina football coaching search. 
And uh, if you read Chris's um, report, his uh, is going to be five parts. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's going to end up being five. Yeah, five part um, mini series, we'll call it, um, on uh, on the the coaching hire. Looking back over that, um, that visual of of Chris sort of falling off the screen and coming back on, um, just reminded me of Chance telling you the story of how he was pretty sick trying to do a Zoom interview with a coach. And then Chris kind of had to just take a moment, I guess, when vertigo hit. Is that right? Yeah, that was it. So um, there's a lot. There are a lot of funny stories actually in there that we got three parts down. There's a couple more coming. There's a couple more funny stories left. I don't know if they were that funny at the time, Wes. But you've got Chance Miller quarantined with COVID at the time. So Ray Tanner is having to conduct an interview have a laptop and make sure everybody's on and, and this and that. And so Chance Miller's up in a room with a laptop on a box propped up and said that he had a, had sweatpants and a sweatshirt on because he had chills, had like a big fever, rips off the sweatshirt and puts on a polo. So he looks put together before the interview starts and dropped a pin or dropped something and then just hit the deck. <laughs> Everybody's like, uh, what happened? Are you okay? Said he got a text from Ray Tanner in the middle of a coaching interview. What happened? Are you okay? So funny stuff there. Um, yeah, that 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 was a fascinating story and a fun story, you know, to be able to report. I know you were in there when we were talking with Shane Beamer West about some of those things and some of the stories he had. And I think part four, which will come out probably next week is going to have a little bit more on that final day. And there's some funny stuff from, from Shane Beamer in there too. So if you haven't seen it already, go check it out. Gamecockcentral.com. Three parts down, a couple more to go. Yeah. Good stuff. I think you're right, man. It's one of those stories that's a little bit funny uh, for those guys to tell now at the time. I, I don't think anybody was laughing. Um, you know, one of the, I'm sure it's just a grind for, for kind of everybody involved. Pretty cool. I don't, I don't know if this is going to be included in there, Chris, but um so hopefully we're not like giving away one of your your big topics for later on. But the the fact that Beamer has his speech from uh, the press conference is that I'm not giving anything away. I don't think. No, no. Uh-uh. Um, it's it's mounted. If you go in his office right now, it's um it's been framed and it's, it's up on his wall. And uh, it was pretty cool when Chris and I had our sit down with him. He was like, you know, I had this press conference, and it ended up being a very long press conference, completely mapped out drawn out, basically, you know, speech all planned out. And uh, Beamer said he didn't really look at the sheet <laughs> once because he kind of got up there and was just, you know, quite literally just speaking from the heart. But uh, it was – it sort of – I thought it just kind of showed the level of detail and planning uh, just type of person Beamer is when it comes to do stuff like that, I think. Yeah, it did. And, and same thing, actually, Wes, when he was uh, – his, his first – you know, kind of official communication with South Carolina about the job was uh, a phone interview with the administration. That was before the in-person interview. And he was at his desk in Oklahoma, he told us, and big desk, and he's got papers, post-it notes and papers, you know, strategically all around the desk so you can refer to them. Didn't look at them once, you know. He, He had a very specific plan, Spoke from the heart there too, knew what he wanted it to look like, 
had his ideas all in his mind because he'd been thinking about it for so long. It had so much, you know, familiarity with USC. Knew Ray Tanner. Ray Tanner was head baseball coach at South Carolina for the entirety of Shane Beamer's time as an assistant too. So um, obviously that went well enough for him to get the in-person interview, uh, notes or not, and uh, was able to eventually land a thing. So, yeah, that was, that was a really cool story. I think, I think part four might be one of my favorites. That's going to be coming out next week. So looking forward to to dropping that next week. Yeah, Beamer must have said something right, must have done something right. Absolutely. Um, sort of just blowing away uh, South Carolina administration and, and obviously getting the job. And it looks like a great decision by all parties so far. Uh, again, check that out. You can do it for 50% off if you're not already a subscriber. 50% off your first year. Limited time. That's going away soon. So if you're kind of waiting on that, go check it out. Go take advantage right now. GamecockCentral.com. Chris, I want to talk a little bit about preseason camp. Um, Craig has a question about Xavier McLeod. Um, and I want to talk about this new series as well. Um, Welcome Home, South Carolina Football, five-part, I guess you would call it a mini-series on ESPNU, debuting on Wednesday night at 7. It'll be the next five Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Again, ESPNU. Chris, your initial thoughts, uh, just watching episode one, which actually started the day of – the spring game, and then kind of it, it seems like they're bringing us forward. Episode two, the way they were teasing it, maybe highly focused on the start of preseason camp. But so far they were kind of taking us over the last, what, four months or so leading up, three, three and a half, four months leading up to now. Yeah, and, you know, some of the footage um, from the spring game, some of the Rattler stuff, uh, some of the hide-and-seek, you know, we had seen uh, on social or elsewhere a little bit of that, and it kind of just built upon that, expanded on it. I, I thought it was neat. Um, I like the, the the two favorite parts that I had, Wes, were um, the the on field stuff during the game, where you can kind of see the players talking, you can hear the pads popping, you hear Zach Pickens, Boogie Huntley, um, you know, showing a lot of personality during those. I really liked the Marshawn Lloyd segment because I think it really showed, you know, what he's all about. We got a chance to see. Uh, the injury, you know, for the first time, the practice reel, the practice tape from when he tore his ACL in 2020 as a freshman. I think a lot of people forget that he was impressing everybody around the program at that time. That was the year, of course, that Kevin Harris had such a big season. Marshawn Lloyd came in as a true freshman and looked like he was going to be maybe running back one. And so tears the ACL, has to sit out goes through a lot of last season, even trying to get back to himself. And now obviously feels great, has a chip on his shoulder, talked with some of his family. So that to me was the coolest part. I, I like the human interest element. I like anything that illustrates the fact that these guys are, are human beings. You know, they're kids, they're young men, they have families, they have emotions, they go through things. And so I really, really liked uh, seeing that from Marshawn, who's a great kid. Yeah, great kid. And, um, Man, he is motivated right now. Just a very disciplined guy. I have so much respect, Chris, for anybody that age that can have that level of discipline. Like, that's something, you know, we all struggle with, um, unless you're just built like him. We all struggle with that to varying degrees. And, you know, I, I look back to when I was that age. Um, I mean, dude, it's it's on a completely right. different level than most people. So just the amount of discipline that he carries himself with, even going back to high school, driving two-plus hours every single day to go to school, then driving back home, 
you know, he, he shared the story about, you know, getting up at 4.45 a.m. You're leaving school at like, what do you say, 8 o'clock, and then you go to bed, you know, you eat, go to bed, shower, whatever, and you're right back at it. And so just the – you respect the people that can do something like that because not everybody can, and it's a very small amount of people that can actually do that and do it on a consistent basis. So incredibly impressive there. What did you think of – the extra footage just of the spring game itself. I thought it was kind of cool actually getting to know what the players are saying. You know, Cam yeah. Smith, you know, as you mentioned, we always knew Cam was like an excitable guy, but uh, you got to actually hear from him a little bit. You mentioned Boogie. Um, you know, Rattler, I thought Rattler was kind of on brand. Like, it's kind of what I expected is what I'm trying to say. Not like the big rah-rah, just talking just to talk guy, but – um you know, one of those kind of just even kill, low key encouragers. You know, you know that was a great run. That was a great run. You know, Juju's running that thing. Like it was kind of, it was a little constant narration from Spencer Rattler. Yeah, just a little little ongoing dialogue by him. You know, no outbursts. Um, he he is. I mean, he's just super even kill. Same thing. You know, in when we've had the opportunity to talk to Spencer or interview with Kendall Smith, she did a while back. Um, that the media day the other day, he's just very. I mean, I think you were the first person to say it, Wes. I'll, I'll always credit you for it, so I'll try to keep that up. You know, he's just got that very professional approach and demeanor, doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. He is super competitive. You can tell if you talk to people that know him, you can tell if you ask Spencer, he'll tell you. Um, but that doesn't come in these huge, you know, emotional swings, and that's just how he is. It, it's okay. Maybe for guys like Cam Smith, that works. You know, some of the players were talking about that today, that he talks the most trash out there, but he backs it up. Spencer, not a big trash-talking guy, not, doesn't get too crazy, um, but is just kind of that low-key encourager, kind of leads by example, um, and keeps it just pretty even keel. Yeah, Beamer, I thought was – I thought Beamer was on brand too. Like, a, you know, again, some of the stuff we saw was – footage we've seen before, but some of it was new. I thought it was interesting, just even that coin toss that they had. Um, you know, they had separated the team out, Garnet versus Black. Zach Pickens was with, um, I think, the Black team, Javon Gwen, Garnet team. They were sort of the captains for each side. And, uh, you know, even going doing the coin toss, which is completely inconsequential um, to the grand scheme of things, you know. Coin toss for a spring game. And Beamer's still in there. He's got a level of excitement about it. Um, you know, getting the guys sort of fired up. And I, I just I thought if you were looking for the show to be a 30-minute just commercial for South Carolina football and the culture they're trying to build and what they want it to be about, um, then I would say uh, you know, message received. Like I think it I think it it did that. I, I did make the comment. I, the one thing I felt like it missed was like a narrator, kind of like Hard Knocks has that person kind of bringing it along. Um, if you're a hardcore Gamecock fan, you sort of, even not a hardcore Gamecock fan, like just a slightly above average Gamecock fan, you had enough background to where you probably didn't need it. But, you know, I, I feel like if you were, if you just were tuning in just for some football, you probably could have benefited from that person kind of just bringing it along for you. It kind of bounced around a little bit. It started with the spring game. 
Then it moved forward. Then the Grit Night, which was the uh, military-style thing, that was back before the spring game. Yep. Then it came forward, you know, to Marshawn. Um, or Marshawn was before that, I think. But it was going back in time, showing Marshawn, you know, the leg injury. First time we've seen video of that. So, you know, maybe a little just and, – and I'm being a critic, but narrator would have been helpful. But – um Overall, if you're a Gamecock fan, you're loving just the because the access was great um, as mm-hmm. far as having guys either mic'd up or they had a directional mic close enough to them that you could hear everything they were saying. Chris, I actually loved the Boogie Huntley little quick segment there where Boogie saying, you know, coach, he's going, coach, 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 saying, I got him. And then you see Beamer and you can even hear like the, like Beamer is going, it's going, my bad, my bad. You you know you got him, and I think that I didn't see the other end of that play. I think that was one of Rattler's big completions, possibly, uh, but I could be wrong. Um, so yeah, that was a little cool moment where Beamer was just like, "Yeah, you're right, you're right." Yeah, you he he shorted Boogie a sack. It's messed up. So Boogie he said, "I got two, man. I got." Yeah, two. he he said he he had two. Now Boogie Boogie talked a little bit more than I anticipated. That that was kind of something that we learned on the field. Um, He's got some energy. Yeah, a lot of energy, communication up front. There was also there was another funny one where uh, I guess Eric Douglas was calling out something up front, and I guess it was Zach Pickens was like, "Are you sure, thirty four? You sure?" That was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, hey, I'm with you on the narrator because, like, I guess at least what I uh, expected going into this was something along the lines of like those SEC insides that you would mm-hmm. see. And typically, those were the week leading up to a game. So you see the practice footage, you see some meetings and stuff like that. And then you see the game and it was a similar format to that, right? A little backstory with Marshawn, all that sec inside has the guy with the cool voice doing Shane Beamer is, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. And so um, I agree. I kind of, I kind of was going into it expecting the narrator and it wasn't there. I could, I, I could have done the narrator. You could have been the narrator? No, 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 no. <laughs> I could have that poorly. You could have, though. You just narrated yeah. some commercials yesterday. I heard you. <laughs> you did, too. I think you did better. They put you first. Uh, <laughs> you had the first position, and then I came in second. So I think that means you were the – like you were the leadoff. I, I don't know about that. But, uh, but yeah, seriously, I – you know, and I, we're probably – I personally am a little bit spoiled by, like, Hard Knocks. Like, Hard Knocks has such a high – Hard Knocks is one of the most – just high production value shows when it comes to football that exists. And obviously the hard knocks music is perfect. I feel like, so I just pictured the hard knocks music in my head, but obviously they don't have the rights to that. They do not have the rights to turn my swag on either. I don't think cause the, the <laughs> shot of the Beamer video that, that went viral did not include the song itself, but that's okay. All in all, we're being picky. If you're a Gamecock fan, um, it was, it, it was cool. It was a great look. And I, I'm excited to see, I think I'm more excited for episode two than I was for episode one, because I think episode two will have almost all new footage because they're going to start to get into camp and we're going to get a feel for some in-house things as far as that is concerned. You did get a little bit of Beamer. I felt like the quotes from Beamer towards the end, Chris, were a little bit more on point for what his actual thoughts are on the team as opposed to 
what he would say in like a press conference setting. You know, it's a little bit more like, you know, we got a chance to be a dang good football team. Like, I, I don't feel like he would kind of emphasize that quite as much. It's a little more, you know, you're not going to hype your team up too much in press conferences. But behind the scenes, you get a little more like this is how he really feels. Like, hey, this team has been upgraded. Um, my word's not his, but that that was kind of the, the point he was getting at, I felt like. Yeah, it looked like, uh, Wes, when they were in the – when Beamer was talking towards the end and they – I guess they had like a staff meeting there. Looked like they had a little little bit of a depth chart. Was that what that was? Or was that a recruiting board? I couldn't tell which it was. And you know what I also couldn't tell? I couldn't tell if those – like if that sound was actually – from was that sound from an interview – that the production team did with him, or is that the act the way they cut it? Like yeah. you saw, it was definitely multiple. That like that wasn't all one big thought. I feel like because part of the time he was talking about the team and kind of this season, and then part of the time it was like he was talking about the guys they've added to the. It, it felt to me like okay, is this actually part of the staff meeting? Or has he been like maybe asked some questions by the production staff yeah. and it's being edited in yeah, the yeah, staff yeah. meeting? Not that it really matters, but it just in my brain, I'm like the wheels return. I'm like, is this an actual staff? No, I think we we needed to invest get the it's idea. Cut. Yeah. It's yeah, kind of cut to make me think that they clearly videoed a staff meeting. <laughs> yeah, they definitely did that. We know. But that. then was it like, all right, here's some answers to some questions. And then let's make it look like we're, you know, we're in a staff meeting. I don't know. It doesn't really matter, but that was what I was thinking about. I would like to know. And I do, you know, I just, from where I was, you know, I'm 20, 30 feet from a TV and I I haven't gone back and looked again. I might have to go back and look and see if I have a theory on whether or not that's a depth chart or a recruiting board. Either way, we will then take a picture, pull out our magnifying glasses. I mean, like, exactly. um, there you go. Those, uh, those bad uh, criminal shows, like enhance, enhance, and like we need to see what's what's on yeah. the board there. You're like super blurry. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Um, hey, let's talk a little recruiting. Then we will shift gears and get to actual preseason football practice. South Carolina, several players speaking today uh, on Thursday. Then we'll get a little bit of practice action on Friday that we'll be able to watch and give some feedback on that as well. But Chris. Um, I almost forgot that we even need to talk about this. We do need to talk about Jaden Robinson decommitting from South Carolina. That's some news that we had been given a little bit of a heads up. Hey, be ready. This is probably coming. I think the staff, by all indications, um, definitely knew it was coming. And Chris, we're already kind of um, – they, they've been planning for, for the next step there at linebacker once the writing was on the wall here with that. Yeah, I think – that's been a common question today on the Insiders Forum on Gamecock Central is, you know, what's the direction now for linebacker? We don't really know um, for sure, to be honest. I think there are indications that the staff has some irons in the fire there, so to speak, that they've got some ideas that they may have a di- even a direction, uh, but we just don't know what that is quite yet. You know, Robinson was a good get for Carolina when he committed at the time. Uh, remember, he got the offer from Florida very late, and the the thought was that it, it was too late, which it was. That, that's where the evidence pointed, since he still committed to South Carolina. 
The Gators had missed out on some linebackers. They came around to Robinson late. At, at first, the feel was that it was too late for them to step in, that there was a recognition that he was kind of, you know, a little more down their board and didn't offer until some other guys, you know, fell off the Gators board. But as time went on, the in-state factor, a couple visits there, those feelings can sometimes kind of subside. And I think that's what happened here with Jaden Robinson. Definitely, man. So um, the the other obvious question lots of times people will have, hey, do you think this guy could end up back in the class? In this case, I think a fairly certain prediction here would be that no, he will not end up back in South Carolina's class. At one point, you know, I think it was I think it was going to be pretty obvious Florida was going to be the favorite, um, whether he just decommitted and then kind of let the process play out a little bit, or if he did what he did, which was decommit and immediately just basically flip directly to Florida in this case. So either way, even if he hadn't have gone ahead and committed to Florida, then uh, I think the chances of him ending back with South Carolina, much like, you know, Cam Upshaw did, this is not a Cam Upshaw situation. Don't expect him to be with South Carolina. And, again, I think Carolina's moved on. Jaden Robinson's clearly moved on. It's a true split, and uh, and both sides will sort of go their way and uh, and kind of go from there. As Craig says, uh, Carmelo Taylor to Penn State was a surprise. Hey, absolutely. I, I mean, he was going to commit to South Carolina when he had that original commit date. Like, I, I'm very comfortable saying that that is the case. As with anything, when guys push it back, though, Chris, it, it opens the door. Things can change. I, I think, you know, sometimes you got to remind fans, like, hey, this is how it is, especially even if we're getting information that is 100% accurate. It can change at, at any moment. So whenever a guy pushes it back, sometimes it's like, okay, you know, Big Tree Babalade, when you start hearing, okay, he's probably going to go ahead and announce soon anyway, then even with that one getting pushed back, you you know, you kind of, all right, is Maryland still involved here? How how hard are they pushing? When there is a change, it can signal something. A guy clearly is not ready yet. But in the case of Babalade, he goes ahead and commits within a week. Carolina gets him. Everything's cool in Gamecock land. In this case, not only did he push it back, there was no real set idea of when he was going to do it. Um, you know, Seems like communication maybe started to drop off a little bit. I don't know, but from what I understand, this was uh, not something that necessarily was really expected by anyone. It just sort of kind of happened, and you kind of have to chalk it up to, hey, that that's recruiting, and, and sometimes these things happen. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, Big Tree pushing back his commit date. It did signal. We, you know, kind of have hindsight now to know this for sure because he went on record with it, but – Maryland did make a push at the end. You know, South Carolina held it off. Obviously here, Penn State, you know, made a push and they were able to get him at the end. So, um, you know, I, I do think it's a, you know, it's a guy that if you're South Carolina, you are counting on him kind of, you know, you know that he's going to commit on the 31st, push it back. And even then you still feel, still feel pretty good about it. Um, but you, you lose him there at the end and, and that's a blow for sure. I mean, this is a kid out of uh, Virginia that, um, has speed, you know, was a guy, four-star guy and a guy that they seem to like a good bit and have been in good position with for a while. So um, got to turn the page and try to go land some other guys. Wes, I think that's a position that there's still a few guys left on the board. 
I think a couple of them at least, you know, you consider like an Aiden Williams, for example, out of Mississippi looks more, I think like Ole Miss for him, but someone who's been on campus and they'll continue working. And um, I think the board, you know, there could be some shifts and changes. There always, I think at any position now, you got to say, watch the transfer portal. And we don't know who's in the transfer portal right now. We won't know until after the season. So um, a lot of storylines there left to monitor and just, um, I think time will tell which direction it goes, kind of like linebacker. Yeah, and I, I know, I know, fans may be a little frustrated on that, but you're you're going to be able to find receivers in the portal, man. Like that's a, I feel like quarterbacks. Um, now, granted, it's going to be a little bit more limited as far as trying to find like elite guys every year in the portal. You know, you're not is a rattler going to be out there available for South Carolina every other year in the portal. Who knows? But I think as far as wide receivers, even, you know, this, you look at this past class, this past offseason, Carolina was able to go out and add Corey Rucker, add Juice Wells, and really those two guys have helped flip that position. And in the case of both of them, you're not talking about senior transfers either. Now, you know, they're going to be NFL eligible. So if they have like, you know, a couple of huge seasons, uh, you know, next year or something, then, then yeah. Um, it's not quite the same as being in a fre- bringing in a freshman, but as far as them having eligibility left, um, it is kind of similar. So I think that's a position I know fans would like to see a couple more high school guys come in and, and be able to stay for their full career at, at South Carolina. At the same time, I think you look at it and you say, all right, you don't necessarily have to reach on a high school guy that you just are unsure about. You just go portal again because you're always going to be able to find wide receivers in the transfer portal. Maybe not the way you prefer, but if that's what you got to do, Chris, I think that's what you do. And and that's been, I think, the best thing that that Shane Beamer has been able to do since his time at South Carolina. They've done a really good job in navigating, you know, potential defections. Now there were some defections from the roster that uh, could have helped, certainly. Uh, but they did a really good job of, of weathering that initial storm. You know, your coach comes in still during a shutdown. He didn't recruit you. You got almost an entirely new staff. They were able to keep a lot of the roster intact, even with rumors and all sorts of things going on about some current members of the team. And then they've done a really, really good job with the transfer portal. You know, they landed some guys in that 2021 class that ended up impacting the roster in a positive way. And then certainly the 2022 class, they brought in what nine guys on a scholarship basis. And then, you know, Dante Miller, for example, uh, out of Columbia. And it's a class that includes the receivers you mentioned and Austin Stogner and Spencer Rattler and Christian Bill Smith. I mean, it's a really good transfer class. And so with the way college football is going now, in some cases, you're almost just as good you know, grabbing, Nine players from the portal, nine high school and JUCO players. Like, I don't know if you want to get that high number every year out of the portal. Um, but for South Carolina, that that might be a niche for them. Maybe they don't end up signing, you know, a f- bunch of five stars every year from high school. If they do, great. Maybe they can do both. That, that would seem to be, you know, ultimately the goal. Uh, but they've navigated the portal well, and I think that they will need to navigate it very well this offseason too, particularly because this year, Wes, they're losing a lot of talent off this 2022 roster. 
offensively, defensively, you're going to lose, I mean, just a rough off-the-cuff estimate. I mean, you lose three-quarters of your starters probably on both sides of the ball. Well, I think, Chris, the, the difference is in the past, if you missed on a guy, you didn't really have the portal to fall back on. So if you're South Carolina, you know, maybe, for example, maybe if you're, if you're Alabama, you've got Lord knows how many five and four stars visiting your campus every year. So you don't have to hit on as high a percentage of those guys to still like feel like, oh, I've, I've filled these needs with some really good players. If you're South Carolina – Maybe it's a little bit limited number, like size of the pool you're pulling for. You miss on a guy, you feel like, oh, I got to take a step back. Now I feel like you don't really have to give in. You can say, well, let's let's wait and see what's out there in the portal. And maybe there's a guy of similar talent. Uh, now you might have him for less amount of time, for it might be for a year or two instead of a full career. But hey, the other side of this is if you take a freshman and he doesn't play right away. He may transfer after a year anyway. So, right. you know, you bring in the transfer, you're kind of catching him on one end of his career. But any freshman you bring in, you have to know that um, they could very easily hit the portal and, and leave your program too. So there is there is no perfect way to do it right now. I think every team is going to be a little bit different. And, you know, every staff will be a little different, Chris, but every single offseason will be a little different in your approach based on your current group of guys and the guys that are available to you as targets, I think. So we'll see. Um, lots of questions about Xavier McLeod. I'll tell you all this. The answer, the definitive answer, which even it can change, but the definitive answer on McLeod as far as timing is soon. Um, now, I wish I could give you all more, but um, – Frankly, you know, I've heard everything from as soon as today. I've heard no, not today, Saturday. I've heard no, not Saturday, next week. So um, I'm not telling you all any of that, those timetables as being like set in stone because obviously that's three different, completely different time levels. Um, so or timelines, I should say. So here, here's the thing. Soon, more than likely, when that actually is, who knows? I've long always thought it is going to be South Carolina, but I can't definitively do the thing we do where we say, hey, we feel good about South Carolina's chances. Wink, wink, you know, and that's how y'all know, oh, they know he's going to South Carolina. Chris, this is not one of those cases. I think South Carolina feels good about where they're at. Again, I've had a prediction in for McLeod for months. I've not changed it. That said, it's been a little unpredictable. And um, I can't completely rule out the other teams that have been involved. Um, I've, I've heard enough about it not being completely locked down yet that I, I can't give everybody the wink. Yeah, it- is the wink still the wink if you're giving it away? Yes. Yeah, I mean, people understand. I, I agree. Yeah, you, you still wink. you still got to do the wink. I'm with you. Um, I think all this is just indicative of how it's gone with McLeod. You know, it's just it's one of those recruitments where it's tough to pin a lot of things down. Xavier 
enjoys the recruiting process, clearly. He's been on a lot of visits. It's, the timeline has changed, not just this time, where we're sitting here going, okay, which of these three or maybe more you know, potential times could it be? It's changed a lot more times than, than just yeah. that. So it's been kind of tough to pin down from that from that standpoint. I, I'm And I have the same thought as you on the potential destination. And Wes, one more, I just want to make sure we make mention of this. Another target with a decision date set for Friday, Vakari Swain, listed as an athlete, probably a DB on South Carolina's board mm-hmm. out of uh, – Carrollton, Georgia, Central High School. He is a guy that's planning on announcing on Friday as well. Yep. Um, Noon. Lo- Low-key kid. Yep. Wait, what, what did you say, Chris? I was saying Friday afternoon. I was trying to effort the exact time because I couldn't remember. 345. I was about to say, I think it's 345. Yep. Um, Low-key kid doesn't do a ton of interviews. I talked to him at the Under Armour camp. I have not been able to talk to him any other time after visits. So, kind of keeps to himself a little bit. I like the fact that he is a DB, but also from what I've heard, like South Carolina likes him enough at receiver as well that he's one of those guys probably starts out as a DB, but you can't completely rule out him playing on the other side of the ball too. Um, I think I think the Gamecocks are in pretty good shape here. He, uh, you know, I think Mississippi State and Vanderbilt are kind of the other two schools that are pretty involved and that he is interested in. I don't see him going to Vandy. I was a, the Mississippi State visit gave me a little pause there, Chris, because it was the most recent. But um, <coughs> there have been, we'll say it like this, there have been some really positive indications that he would end up, um, you know, picking South Carolina. And he is the last um, – of uh, you remember that official visit weekend where we were like, "Hey, Gamecocks feel good about this guy, this guy, this guy," and I think you can like check off the boxes for for all of them now. That's right. Um, he was the last remaining guy that had not committed yet. Um, Jaden Robinson may have been on that list. So if you want to use like, I, I think it still counts though. Like he okay. ended up committing. Things yeah, changed. You count it. But uh, I know Pup Howard was on that list. Um, I don't even remember who all else was on that list. But um, they've felt pretty good since the official visit. There have been signs and indications since then that it's going to be South Carolina. And probably, I think, a pretty solid, just low-key, maybe a little bit under-the-radar get for, for the Gamecocks if that happens on Friday. So that those are the two guys, I think, Chris, to keep an eye on right now if you're a South Carolina recruiting fan. Yep. And and that was, you know, after kind of the summer June surge, it was kind of okay, how many more will South Carolina land, you know, before the season? And uh, remember one fan asked me, you know, will they get two? Will they get three? And I think a couple was a fair expectation. Could have been less, could have been more, but they'll have a chance certainly to add a couple, which would put them, you know, you start inching close closer and closer to that twenty, you know, commitment mark. They'll have some flexibility, of course, this cycle because of the the new rules. You got to keep in mind, schools still can't just oh, let's just take forty guys and see what happens. You know, you still you still have to balance everything against your overall eighty five man roster. You got to save some room for the transfer portal. You got to know what you got going out, what you might have coming in. 
but they do have some flexibility. I do anticipate South Carolina, you know, having some more activity in the portal. Um, the board from high school and junior college has narrowed some West, but they still have ample guys on the board at multiple positions and uh, McLeod and Swain are a couple of those targets. Yeah. I think one other guy I would maybe just keep an eye on and it's not, this is not coming from necessarily solid info or evidence, but just little things I've heard here and, the day, here and there. This kid keeps to himself for the most part, but Elijah Davis, East Mississippi Juco defensive lineman. He's one of those men that I just wouldn't – you kind of wouldn't be shocked if he just randomly, you know, South Carolina got a commit and it was like, oh, it's Elijah Davis. You know, like that. Right. I, I think Carolina's in good shape. He's had – it, it's kind of interesting how little he's been talked about for a guy that has the offers he has. Like Alabama coming in, Georgia coming in. It's like the SEC has offered this kid. Originally for Wagner Sally, you – um, I think you were pretty high on him out of high school, Chris. He was a guy we've mentioned before, but maybe just hasn't gotten the traction yet with the fan base. He has traction with the South Carolina coaching staff, though. From everything we've gathered, he is someone they really, really want and have, uh, I would say, way up there as far as a priority target for them. Yeah, I'm not saying he's going to be this good, but kind of in some ways reminded me of like a Javon Kinlaw where he's a kid from the state that looked like he could play O-line or D-line, pretty raw. Davis was not as raw when I saw him in a camp setting as Kinlaw was. That was one of the most raw prospects I'd ever seen. And look at what he turned into. But Davis, I saw in a camp setting. That was probably that seems like a long time ago, Wes, but he was he was really good. You could tell from a physical standpoint, his frame was just really, really interesting. Where you go, okay, this is a guy that could really continue filling out. He could move. Um, and obviously he's done well for himself out at uh, in Mississippi at junior college and amassed a really nice offer list. Desert Ops says, ah, oh, you brought up my cousin, Elijah Davis. Well, hey, man, don't uh, don't hold out. Give us the scoop. Tell us uh, – give us a scouting report. Tell us when he's going to commit. Tell us where he's going to commit. Can't hold out – cannot hold out on the GC Live fam, man. Again, I, I feel good. I think South Carolina's in pretty good shape there. We'll see. You never know. But um, there are signs that the Gamecocks uh, could be the favorite. Um, all right, let's get into some camp. Chris will be out there on Friday, but first let's talk a little bit about our friends at Liberty Tax. Uh, Overcome your tax ID, 803-462-5576. want to thank our friend Larry at Liberty Tax. They got several locations in um, really the greater Midlands area, whether it's actual Columbia itself, Irmo, Lexington. You're going to see it scrolling around the bottom of the screen there for the rest of the show. Um, Again, 803-462-5576. Obviously, tax time is over already for this year, but uh, maybe you owe the IRS, maybe you need somebody to represent you, or maybe you own a small business and you just want to make sure you have a good feel for what your taxes are going to look like next year. Um, our friends right here in Columbia at Liberty Tax can help take care of you again, 803-462-5576. Um, Chris, all right, Camp, what do we know so far as far as any surprises for you so far? I I feel like here's the thing, y'all. We're kind of I don't want to say we're grasping at straws. That's a little too dramatic. I feel like we're at the point of camp. We're really going to start to have a feel for some movement. I would think among the depth chart. Preston Thorne made this point on 107.5 after that first scrimmage. 
that's when you really can start to get a feel for, all right, who's moved up, who's holding guys off as far as, you know, maybe I'm a starter, but I got somebody pushing for my spot. Lots can happen once the scrimmages start. First scrimmage is Saturday, Beamer talking after. But so far, we're a weekend, man. So we have at least learned something, I'm sure. Tell us any surprises or what have you learned that is most interesting? You know, I, I hate to be boring. I don't know that we've seen any surprises because we came into, with the benefit of having seen spring, there were some new additions from spring till now, you know, a Corey Rucker and Austin Stogner. We knew that Stogner would slot in and he's going to play a ton. Uh, that's been the case. Corey Rucker to be determined because he's got, you know, they've got several different guys at receiver and that's, that's been a big storyline is how's the receiver rotation going to shake out. Really? There's some questions at starter there, even Wes, but beyond that, what are the different configurations? What's the rotation like? But I just, I don't know that we've seen any surprises. We don't have, we haven't learned, you know, to take that question. We haven't really learned who the place kicker may be. That's something that doesn't get talked about enough. I know you didn't ask this, but between Jeter and Herrera, who gets that job? Like, have we forgotten that Parker White made some huge plays for South Carolina during his career, including last year? And that's, you know, between all the good kickers South Carolina's had, Parker White, Elliot Fry. Ryan Suckup. I mean, it goes on and on, right? You just kind of just assume there's going to be some kicker out there who's going to hit most of the time from most distances in most situations. And we don't know. Like, they've got some guys, Herrera and Jeter, are capable of doing it. They have, can we say leg talent, Wes? If you say arm talent for a quarterback, they have those traits. But, like, you just never know what you're going to get with a guy until you get to that game situation and put them in some spots where the, the heat is on, the pressure is on. So I don't know. I, I don't know how I even got there. That didn't even answer any of your questions. So I would say, what have we learned? I almost gravitate more to, to what have we not learned? And kicker's a big question for me. And then some other spots, you know, right tackle, um, the receiver rotation, how mu- who's going to play how much. Those are things we still haven't learned yet. Yeah, who's going to start besides Zach Pickens at defensive tackle? It's yep, another one. Um, feel, it feels like Boogie has been kind of pushing since the end of spring, but but we'll see, man. I mean, several guys who I would say have at least earned consideration at that spot. And, yeah, to your point, kicker doesn't get talked about a ton. It's not as fun, I guess, to just talk about the kickers, but that's a spot that – um to your point, South Carolina has benefited from really, really good play. I thought this was interesting. I, I just pulled it back up. When we talked to Limbo, when was this interview from? The story is from April 9th, so this would have been right towards the end of spring, uh, just to give everybody an idea of kind of where it was at that point. Um, he said, and they, they track everything, so it's really going to ultimately be up to the guys themselves. Like, it's not even – Limbo's not even picking a guy, I feel like. It's like the numbers, the performance is going to pick who gets to be the kicker, who gets to start the season as the kicker. Um, And I don't see Limbo being – Limbo's not going to be scared to run this competition all the way up to the start of the season, 
or even into the season, I feel like if, if he has to. He's a veteran coach. He knows how to handle these things. But in um, this is through 11 on-field practices in the spring. Um, both kickers were hitting at an 80 to 85% rate in practice. And you may say in a vacuum, you know, what does that mean? Is that good? Is that bad? Um, that's without the pressure of 80,000 fans. Ultimately, Chris, that tells me both of these kickers probably have that that leg talent you're talking about to kick. Um, leg I meant that seriously. I, I wasn't well, even being funny. But, no, I know. Yeah. But um, it's funny. how you handle it, even Parker White, the year he took over as kicker, it was because South Carolina sort of had a different – he was not the first guy to get the opportunity, and I feel like he handled the pressure in game situations a bit better. So in this case, which guy can handle the pressure, we'll see. But to give you an idea of a barometer, um, in all the charting they did last year in practice, Parker White was a 90% plus guy, according to Limbo. So to me, that sort of highlights two things, just how steady and accurate Parker White was. That's pretty impressive, even if you're just talking about a practice setting, man. These two guys obviously are going to have a chance to be pretty good. To expect either one of them to be Parker White, not fair at all. Not fair. And, you know, again, you may get in some games where the field goal is a difference. So talking about the kicker is every bit important as talking about the backup at tackle or the backup at running back or even starters at a lot of positions. It's a critical position. Um you know, for things as small, quote unquote, as as kickoffs, but certainly with field goals. I mean, that's just a it's a significant area. Um, you know, with those metrics that you mentioned, 80, 85 percent, you also kind of go to, OK, well, what is it? Ninety five percent from 30 to 39 and 60 from, you know, 48 plus. You know, I mean, you, you got to consider those things. We don't have all that data. But I mean, the biggest thing. There's two big things, actually. Number one is having the talent to be able to hit the kicks, but two, being able to do it under pressure. And Parker White was just – he had both. I mean, remember that interview we did with him, Wes? He, he went on for 15 minutes about the routine, you know, the, mentally and physically that he did leading up to a kick. And you can see that that regiment that he has. That's why I think he was able to be so consistent during his career. So – Big storyline there. Didn't mean to get mean to talk about kickers so much, but it needed. I think it needed to be said. Yeah, it did, man. And there, there's several guys involved in that. I was, I was even looking back because I remember Limbo gave a little bit of, I would say, an evaluation on the skill set there, and talking about the kickoff specialist competition. He said that Jeter and Herrera we're in that as well along with William Joyce who is kind of a combo kicker punter kicker type guy and um this was just him talking about kickoffs but i would assume it sort of applies to field goals as well he said Jeter has had the stronger leg on kickoffs but um Herrera has been more accurate in kickoff placement so um with both those things as you said i think you know the point you were kind of getting at maybe one guy is your 40 and in field goal kicker maybe one guy's your you know 50 yard field goal kicker and and you kind of split it up that way so 
um, a, a one of these comments on here. Don't forget about Kroger's injury. Does Kai Kroger come back for the start of the season the way they're hoping? Really, the bigger question is, does he come back with his effectiveness at the start of the season the way it was before? And this is a guy who's been outstanding putting down holds, catching errant snaps, throwing passes off of fake punts. One of your better athletes South Carolina's had at punter, um, although they've actually had some decent athletes at punter, believe it or not. So we'll see. We know we're in football season if we're diving into these things, which I'm, I'm excited. I love it. We probably need to do an update on Gamecock Central on camp battles. And the more we're talking about it, this field goal kicker battle is definitely one to watch. It is. Maybe Kai Kroger can come back uh, and still hold and punt the ball with his arm. wonder if they'll allow that. A throw Best holder in the country. He is, man. The fact that what was – Shane Beamer was – who it was Parker White that he was worked up about, right? About not making the list. Did he do a similar uh, rant? Sounds negative. I, I'm not because I agree with him on on Kai Kroger because Kai didn't make that holder like the best holder in the country list. Oh yeah, I think there were three guys on that semifinalist list. And to add insult to injury for South Carolina, one of them was Dabo Swinney's son. Um. Kai yeah, Kruger, he's the Pete Mortel Holder of the Year Award. Who did Pete Mortel play for? And this this has not been around very long because Pete Mortel won it in 2015. I guess they named it after him. Uh, he played at Minnesota. Reed Bauer from Arkansas won it last year. Good job, Reed. But anyway, I didn't, I didn't miss a single hold last year. I can definitively say that. <laughs> exactly. But you – I don't know. Kai Kroger is really good. He he should be on that list. They ha, I don't know if they have a preseason watch list for the Mortel Award that has like 800 guys on it, like some of the preseason watch lists do. But Kai Kroger should be on there. Kai was on a preseason watch list, but I think it was for punters. I don't think – Yeah. I have not seen a holder list come out. Um, all right, we are deep in the weeds. We need somebody to save us. I think that's going to do it. It's almost 3 p.m., so we got stuff to do, places to be. Um, Chris, you got closing thoughts, man? No, I was going to say, I'm glad you cut me off because I was about to start wondering aloud if there's, like, best punter athlete watch list. So let's just go ahead and cut it off. Thanks, everybody, right. for joining us. Good timing. We'll be back soon, um, 107.5 tomorrow as well, 11 to noon. Uh, come out to the kickoff party. Come over to Gamecock Central. Guys, just come spend your time hanging out with us. That's all we ask is for you to give us all your free time um, with us and the Gamecock football program. Anyway, for Chris, I'm Wes. We appreciate it. We'll see you all very, very soon. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.